This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. We are back for another episode of the Oak Road Hatter podcast. I am Billy Mully and this is what we have in store today. We start by looking at our defence in a bit more focus. It's now three clean sheets for the Hatters already, but eight goals have been conceded in the process. We also look ahead to Saturday and we are back in championship action against Blackburn Rovers as the international break passes. We also have views from the opposition today as I speak with Rovers fan Toby Wilding about Saturday's clash. And today I'm joined by Jamie Castle, Stephen Day and Dylan Bundia. How are you three? Not too bad. Um, yeah, I'm good, good mate. mate yourself. Yeah, I'm good. I'm glad that football's coming back. Championship football, that is, because that's the only football we care about at the moment. <laughs> We're going to start today by looking at the defence in more detail. So I'll come to you first, Jamie. Um, since this Kyoso departure... There's seemingly a lack of right-back options. And we've seen that there was two trialists in the development squad on Tuesday. Do you think there's any possibility that that's right-back cover? Or do you think that's perhaps going to bolster our under-21 squads? Or what do you kind of see with the, the two trialists that we've seen? We're not seen, sorry. Yeah, so I guess on on the whole right back issue, it's quite funny. I've I've not I've not listened to to Nathan's uh, conference yet, but he, he seemed quite bullish in stating that Jordan Clark's our our second excellent right back, which I laughed at. Bear in mind, he only played there about three or four times last season. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think from from Nathan's perspective, I think it's very much James Bree and Jordan Clark. Um, which yeah, yeah, I mean, I mean. Bree's, Bree's injury record's been a bit ropey at times, but hopefully he's, he, he's sort of fine now. Um, I guess on the, on the try list, um, obviously we didn't see them. It, it, it seemed as if the way they were written on on the team sheet was as if it was a midfielder and and a, and a wide forward. So I'm not sure whether or not that they'd be there sort of as a right back uh, in particular. Um, 
I think if, if if I'm honest, the trialists are probably there as 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 sort of last year's uh, Addy and 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 Chambers who who were brought in sort of last minute as free agents just just to show up the 23. So I think with with the trialists, it's probably for them. Um, I guess just going back on, on the right back issue, it seems as if the idea at the minute is just to, to send send Pete out till January because because Nathan mentioned about 20 games until Christmas, so. I guess potentially if 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 Pete gets twenty games for for MK, does really well, then then who knows? Maybe he, he's brought back in, in in January and and then really competes with Bree. Um, so I think it's more of a short term loan than a long term thing. And we'll move on to a little bit about Sonny Bradley, and I'll open this up to the floor. Do you think with him playing seventy odd minutes or whatever? I think it might have been a little bit. Under 17, might have been 67, thinking about it. But does he come in on Saturday? Yes. Yeah. I mean, if he's if he's fit and if the, he's been cleared by all the sports science people and everything that he's ready to go, then 100%. Because <clears throat> Cal Naismith is very good, but he's not a centre-half. Mm. He has some good days there, and he has some days where he really struggles, as we've seen so far this season um, with Birmingham, West Brom. But he was excellent against Sheffield United. Um, so I think Sonny Bradley is very important for us, both in both in open play and from set pieces. Um, so yeah, definitely he's the leader. He's the he's the ca- he's the captain, and he'll just help out Cal Naismith a little bit there. And and maybe we you know if you want to put him in at left back, but I don't think he will because Amari Bell's been so good. So um, for me, if he's fit, one hundred percent yes. Yeah, I I agree. Got to get him in there because he just he's he, he needs to be in there really. With uh, as Dylan said, like we can rely on Naismith for backup, but he's not an out-and-out centre back. And I think if you know if Bradley's fit, then he has to be in there because he just brings that level of experience and he knows. I think he manages the defence a lot better because that's that's his role. He's captain. He's got to manage them. And I think it's, we just need that level of leadership and and strength in the back four, back three, back five, whatever we play. Yeah. I think he has to be in there. I guess for me it's a tough one because I think Cal this season has played played well. I think he, he's not played like, unreal at times, but he's done enough to to almost not be dropped. He, I mean, uh, there's talk about players needing to sort of get their shirt back post injury, and I think I think it would be harsh to, to drop Cal. But like Dylan says, you can't move him to left back because Amari's been fantastic. So that that left back shirt is Amari's. So does that mean that Nathan thinks, you know what, that, that let's go to a back three and then play Naismith left, Sonny in the middle and then one of Burke or Locks on the right? So I don't know. I think it would be harsh to drop Cal. Uh, appreciate Sonny's massive for us. I mean, I mean, he's our club captain. But whether you throw him in, Blackburn away, person in touch with a break, whether that's the best time or do you do you leave it until maybe Bristol midweek for, for, for rotation? Um, I don't know. I think I think it's not, not as simple as just just dropping Naismith, if I'm honest. We'll move on to what is becoming less of a decision, more of a certainty, and that's Gabriel Osho. And when I when I started writing up what we were going to talk about today, I just per, as a collective, do we agree that Osho is our new defensive midfielder? And then since that article from Sky Sports came out, which basically reinforces that idea that that. Jones sees him there. Osho sees that as his new position. So are we agreeing 
that he is now a defensive midfielder that can operate at centre-back if needed. I mean, it, absolutely, it, it looks that way, but I've, I've not actually seen him in holding midfield and I've not read the article yet. So I'm, I'm just going to say that it does look that way, but I can't really comment on it fully. For me, absolutely. Uh, I think in in the past, we've since since, since McCormack has either been Ray or we've tried to drop a centre a centre mid back, and and they've had the 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 ability to to be on the ball, but they've not necessarily had the defensive instincts that a centre half moving forward has. There, I think with, with Gabe, there's absolutely no doubting his his defensive attributes. I think is now trying to be a bit more smarter and wise on the ball. Uh, and that's probably the side that, that, that he needs to improve on. Um, so he certainly isn't, isn't going to turn into a, a Perlo or a, uh, or a Kante, as he was referring to in the article. But with, with training and, and working with Nathan, uh, as I was saying in the, on the last pod about, about Dewsbury Hall, if, if Nathan can, can do that same work with Dewsbury Hall, with, with, with Osho, then I think he can be one hell of a player. You're the same, Dylan. Do you think that it's are we making it all three? Well, all four of us actually in agreement yeah. that Osho yeah, is yeah. now our, our holding midfielder. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, um, he's he's got the attributes. He's he's something that we don't have, which is you know we've we've tried a lot of things. We tried Pelly there. Pelly can do a job there, but it's not his natural position. Glenn Ray has some issues that that um, are making him struggle a little bit. Um, and he doesn't offer that same athletic presence. You know, there's a couple of times against Sheffield United where Osho was just covering across brilliantly. Um, you know, making up the ground is, is so important um, in terms of defending, especially in the six, seven seconds when you lose the ball. Um, you, you need that in the championship to, to stop counterattacks. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, there's no reason why, why he can't do it. He's got a lot of work to do. There was naturally as, as a centre-back, he was a little bit blinkered in possession, struggling with the whole transition from receiving it and basically having to play in front of you. But then suddenly there were defenders closing him down from behind and it's a big, it's a big transition, but, um, but slowly, slowly he can get there. Um, and, and even when we do play a 4-2-3-1 with a, with a natural number 10 like Jordan Clark, um, you know, we, when, I, when I went to see the preseason games, we, we did naturally drop someone just in front of the back four. So they were playing as much more of a holding midfielder rather than two sliding. So I think, you know, he can, he can handle it and, and it'll be really exciting to see his development um, in that position for the rest of the season. And Amari Bell goes up against his former club on Saturday. What do you all make this, of his start of the season? And do you think he suits a back four better or a back five? That's a good question, to be fair. Um... I mean, I, I guess is his best attacking display this season has been in a back five at Barnsley. Um, but I think he's equally adept at playing a back four. I think if if you think back to, say, like a Luke Bolton that we had on loan, I think going forward he was fine, but absolutely could not be a fullback in a back four because he just didn't have the, the defensive attributes that Bell has. Um, and I know that there's been a lot of talk comparing um, Amari Bell to Pickering. I know... Um, Luton Analytics put put a little uh, a piece out about it, and I think it just shows that he's been great for us this season. So I, I don't think you, you can really say he's better in a four or five. I think he's just a fantastic all round left back and probably the best fullback we've had since since Stacey and JJ there. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with Jamie there. I think um, I think 
well, his best his best work is high up the pitch, without a shadow of a doubt. Um, defending his own box, he's been very good. Um, again, you know, it's not saying that he's bad in a back four. He's been excellent. Um, but I think some of his best stuff is is high up the pitch. He's got the athleticism to really kind of cover the ground and and do a wing back's job, which is to, well, sometimes to close the opposition fullback out of possession. Um, and he can do that. So I think, um, but but then against Barnsley, when he was playing as a wing back, he was sitting very deep. Um, so I, I think he's, he's he can cover all bases really. And and again, you know, he's been he's been absolutely fantastic uh, since he joined. And Steve, yeah. um, going on to Simon Sluger because he now has three clean sheets out of five, but has conceded eight goals in the process. So it's a little bit of a weird one in that kind of respect. But what do you make of how he's started out this season and how important does his contract situation emerge this year? Well, I think it would be horrible to lose him if he was to go this season, well, at the end of the season, next season, whenever, because he's, you know, he's our most expensive player that we've bought. He's been, you know, very solid at the start of this season. He's been, it was solid last season. He had that, you know, rough spell, like for the first six months of the season uh, back in 20, 2019. Um, I think he's, he's, he's important to the team. So, and he's, I think he's, quite comfortable alone. Like he looks comfortable and he and the players know him. He knows you know, he knows his defense and it's it's yeah, I'd 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 hate to see him go at any point really because he's still youngish for a goalkeeper. So I think he's he's a good goalkeeper and he's got a good career, you know, with us, hopefully. And yeah, I think the start of the season has been solid. Um obviously eight goals conceded is not the best, but then three clean sheets, it shows that He's got the ability to, you know, be good and the defence and him have the ability to keep teams out. We'll quickly go over to Saturday because we travelled to Ewood Park to face Blackburn Rovers. And the last time we went there in September, we won. So I think we'll be travelling with early season confidence. Um, so in regard to Blackburn, they've started relatively well. Two wins, two draws and a defeat. Their only loss has come to West Brom. What do you three make of their start? Yeah, it's been, it's been all right. Um, obviously lost Adam Armstrong, which was huge. Uh, but they seem to have replaced him, be coping reasonably well. Obviously, Brereton is, Brereton Diaz, sorry, um, has, has really stepped up. Uh, they've got Pervader in on loan, which was big in terms of replacing Harvey Elliott. So, you know, for a squad that that lost, probably that it's two most important players uh, in Harvey Elliott and, and Adam Armstrong. They've they've coped with it reasonably well, I think. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, as as we saw last season, it will be a really really tough test. I think the last time we played them was the was it the one nil? Um, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, the one nil where with the drop ball into Gallagher. So. You know, we know that they're, they're a team that can play in so many different ways and, and suddenly they can go from trying to work it to the byline and pull it back to going hit, hitting big diagonals into Gallagher. So, um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be, as always, be a really interesting game and, and a, a tough game as well. Yeah, I agree. I think, to be fair, I they've started better than I thought they 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 would do. I think losing Armstrong would, would have been a, 
a bigger loss than it seems to have been so far this season. Obviously, that they, they, they probably they, they might trend downwards in a little bit, but I think I think they've started well. Uh, it seems like the the uh, appearance for Chile in in the Copa America has really sort of rejuvenated uh, Ben Burt and Diaz. Um, although touch with the, the Chilean FA and FIFA getting banned for five days, so he's so, he, so he's not playing against us. Um, who knows? Uh, and then if that is the case, then then they'll they'll probably play Gallagher up top, which probably Naismith and and Bradley will have them in their pockets. So um, yeah, I mean they, they've started well. I think they signed two or three players on on deadline day, so it, it may be a, a bit of a of a fresh look to their side from from what started. Um, but I've got threats all over the pitch, and I know Tyrese Dowden hasn't gotten too too many minutes, but when he's played, I've been impressed with him. Uh, same with with with, with um, Perveda from Leeds. Again, he got he got very few minutes at Leeds, but whenever I saw him play, I, I was impressed with just the way he was on the ball. He seems a bit he seems a bit a bit like Chong from Birmingham. So hopefully he doesn't uh, haunt us like like Chong did. Um, but no, it'd be a tough game. Um, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I agree with what's been said, and yeah, I'm I'm just looking forward to going away there. Oh, you got a ticket then? Yeah, I'm going. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. Is that Jamie's nodding as well? Dylan, yeah, same here. I'm going. Yeah, I'm, I'm at Bristol on Tuesday night, not Blackburn, unfortunately. That's fair enough. That's fair enough. And we say there about Gallagher, Jamie. You said um, about pocketing him, but he has <laughs> thrown a knack of scoring important. Well, we say important goals, but just goals against us. And he's a player that doesn't seem to get too many goals, but every time he plays against us, he, do, he does seem to leave his mark and have some sort of effect, whether it be his aerial presence or even running in behind. Yeah, and, and to be fair, that was very much uh, said in jest. But I guess thinking about it, I'm, I'm pretty sure whenever we play a championship side which is basically every weekend we always say that there's someone that always scores against us so I think it's just the manner of the beast the way that there's so many good players in the league I mean you got Djokovic at Birmingham for example we always say he scores against us Lyle Taylor always does so I think it's just the the, the, the manner of being a Luton Town fan Definitely definitely and we'll go on to their recruitment uh, Jamie sort of alluded to it before but they've brought in players like Ian Perveda, Leighton Clarkson uh, Jan Paul Van Heck as well, centre back from Brighton, Tay Eden as well, who we were looking at as left back slash defensive midfield cover. But what do you make of it, Dylan? Do you think that they've recruited well and do have a chance of, of making the playoffs as their ambitions would be? Well, I think playoffs, I think when you lose players of the pedigree that they have, I think it'll be very difficult for them to, to hit the playoffs. Um, that being said, you know, I'll be honest, I don't know much about um, Van Heck and, and Kadra, but uh, but Perveda is obviously very good, um, good uh, good player from Leeds. Teo Eden again, another good signing. Um, I think they'll they'll struggle. I, don't, I think they'll struggle to to get into the get into the playoffs. Um, but I, from the start they've had, I think so far they've probably surpassed a lot of people's expectations I think people maybe had them down as a team that would uh, be very stop start and, and wouldn't start well similar to Preston um, so they've done okay so far and, and time will tell I don't think they'll get in the playoffs though I think that would be a bit of a stretch uh, for them. As we've said there Armstrong's departed Brereton Diaz could 
miss the fixture. I think there's a little bit of uncertainty still about that. So what do you make of their attacking sort of player? We've, we've spoken about Paveda, we've spoken about Gallagher. Who else do they have that will cause us problems? Because for me, centrally speaking, I think there's, I think within Blackburn fans, they've been a little bit, they, they feel that they've been a little bit short in, in midfield areas. But looking at the likes of Rothwell, they've, they've got Clarkson and now from Liverpool, um, Lewis Travis, who also scored against us. They've got some really good midfield options. Yeah, um, they have. Uh, you know, I think uh, Dak has, I think he's injured, but I'm not sure. Um, he's never quite got going. Um, going for a little while. Rothwell is obviously just Rothwell. He's just very good. Um, but yeah, you know, they, 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 there was a thing. I think Tony Mowbray. I think we mentioned it on the last podcast. Actually, he wanted to fill um, all five of his loan slots, which would suggest that financially they're they're struggling a little bit, and they've got in I think four loanies at the minute. Um, so yeah, you know, I think depth wise, I think you could always have a bit more. But in, in a similar sense to us, where we could always have couple more central midfielders if we wanted it out and a right back would be lovely kind of thing but I think that you know their squad's in an in an okay place if they're just looking to to just consolidate and well not really consolidate because they've been there for a while but just carry on in the championship and in a kind of way that maybe we're trying to do but obviously we're a lot earlier on our journey than they are yeah I, I think it feels like us that they're in a bit of of like a, a, a transitional period that they, they had a, a decent squad for about two, two seasons where they were close to the playoffs but didn't quite make it and I think again they're trying to transition away from obviously Dak, Dak was a big player for them and he's been in hospital for the past two years just with, with constant hamstrings or whatever um, so I think yeah it, it's just trying for them it's trying to transition to a new squad like we are so I think we're very much in similar places except that we we have a philosophy that's central centred around having permanent signings whereas they have loan signings so I think Whereas we're transitioning to a squad for the future, there I think they're trying to put plasters over gaps at the minute. Um, but yeah, it's still a good side. I mean, all, like four, four lone players are, are, are all good players, so no, it, it'd be a tough game. Yeah, as you say, it's four lone players all come through the respective academy systems, Premier League clubs, so they are a team that pretty much year upon year, have a very, very strong side. And I think in the context of things, I'm surprised where they finished last season. And I wouldn't be surprised to see them mount some sort of promotion push. Maybe if they do fall off at the end. Squad depth is a bit of an issue, but I do think they've got the players there in core positions to to trouble the division and, and keep on doing well. We'll go and turn our attentions back to ourselves a little bit because today photos emerged of players back in training. There was Potts, there was Hilton, there was Clark, there was Bradley, of course. So how do you think we'll set up in terms of, do you think we'll see the flat back four or are we looking at a back five again? I would like to essentially start the same system as, as Chef United. I think we played really well and I liked our show in the DM. I, I, I don't think we can do a, a straight 4-2-3-1. I think we'll probably need that extra body in, in midfield. Um, but having said that, going back on, on the whole Naismith, Sonny Bradley point, I think it might, might come a case of 
we want to get Sonny back in, but you can't shift Naismith to left back and you can't drop him. So maybe we go to, to go to a back three. So I think that that might be a big call for Nathan, whether you don't bring Sonny back and stick with stick with a four three three, or you bring him back but drop drop Carroll, or do you go go to a back three slash five? I think it, it would be a, a a big call. Um, for me personally, it would be the same side that played Sheffield United. Um, whether you swap Carroll or, or Sonny, and uh, who knows? But for me, four three three. Yeah, I think I think I'll expect to see us go with a back three, maybe. Because uh, Jamie's made a good point that it is hard to drop Cal Naismith, and we know that Blackburn have got a good attacking side, and we need to sort of be able to handle that. And I mean, having five at the back doesn't always work for us. It usually ends up a bit dodgy, but at the same time, I feel like with Bradley back, with Naismith, with everyone else at the back back five that we'd have, I think it, it'd be possibly the right way to go just because, we, you know, we'll have strength in numbers and experience. So, yeah, I think that'll be the way to go. But, you know, I, I just, I like the diamond. I like Nathan's diamond. So I'd love to see that just be played most of the time because it usually works. But, yeah, we'll see. Well, it's a shame that Dylan's gone off now because we just did mention about Barry being back and he's been screaming, screaming from the rooftops for uh, Barry to return and act as that progressive midfielder. But I don't know. Does he have a space in this team? I'm talking about the squad here on the match day squad. Does he? Does he take a place on the bench on Saturday? I think that entirely depends on on Lansbury. I think if if Lansbury's back fit, then you probably have Lansbury, and then you probably stick with, stick with some forwards. So you got, I mean, you got Jordan Clark back in contention now. So obviously you've got an, another player for the squad from from what from what wasn't in the squad against Sheffield United. So it 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 I I I love Luke Berry. I think he's done a lot for us, and I, and I think as a player he's brilliant, and he still has a lot to offer. Whether he comes in in the squad for Blackburn is probably another question. Um, I think it just shows how how tough uh, the choice it is for Nathan now. It's it's a massive headache. We're, we're sitting here, and we haven't got a clue, and, and obviously Nathan has has the benefit of of seeing fourteen days training that that, that we don't. Um, may, it may come a bit too soon for Luke Berry, um, but again, it depends on on Lansbury. If Lansbury's not fit, then then who knows? It's just yeah, we, we've got a lot of options there. And we'll go on to our score predictions. I'm going to say mine later when I speak with Toby, our Blackburn fan that we're speaking to today. But we'll come to you first, Stephen. What are you going for? 1-0 win. Typical Luton. 1-0 win away from home, up in up, up the north of the country. Somewhat north, you know. Near Yorkshire. Near Yorkshire. Not quite, but near it. Near yeah, enough. Yeah, near enough. <laughs> Jamie? Yeah, same for me. I think it's going to be a a, a, a famous Luton one nil away win, and, uh, and and given Dylan always copies me, put him down one nil as well. <laughs> we will do well. I'll, as I said, I'll give mine when I speak to Toby a little bit later. Now we move on to the newest feature of our podcast, and it is opposition view. Today, I'm joined by Blackburn fan Toby Wilden to discuss Saturday's fixture. Good afternoon, Toby. How are you? 
Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, look, looking forward to get back into the uh, championship action after the international break now. Yeah, as we were saying there, it's been two weeks, but it feels like forever when international football comes Absolutely. and disrupts the season. So it's, it's been a decent start for Blackburn, eight points from five games. Is that something that you can see Blackburn sustaining? Are the playoffs a realistic ambition or is it just a little bit of hope at the start of the season? I, I think at the minute, um, playoffs would be hope rather than expectation, that's for certain. I mean, it, it has been a good start. And I think if you were to sort of offer Blackburn fans eight points from those five games they've had to start the season, I think the vast majority of them would have taken that. But I think the big issue for Rovers in terms of whether they could push on from that or not is sort of the depth they have in the squad. Um, we saw a lot of players leave Ewood Park over the course of the summer. Uh, not not least Adam Armstrong, of course, top scorer from last season. And in, it, it, it's been a bit of a struggle for Rovers in terms of recruitment to replace those uh, departing players. So the short on numbers and indeed on, on experience, if you sort of look at a lot of the players who have come in are young loanees from the Premier League. So while there's talent there, I think there will be concerns looking ahead to the rest of the season about A, whether the depth is there when, it, when injuries as they often seem to do for Blackburn, start to take their toll. But then also the uh, lack of experience there might be for, say, a promotion push further down the line. So I, I, I think at the minute, many Blackburn fans would probably have a genuine fe feeling of surprise if that was to happen. And we mentioned before about this international break. Do you think it's come at a wrong time for Rovers would you have liked it maybe three or four more games when you sort of got yourselves into the season and sort of firing in that way um yeah poss possibly in terms of the, the build of building of momentum the, the, there was an element of that but again I think with the, with the lack of num uh, sort of maybe numbers in the squad it has possibly come at a good time we were already starting to see a few injuries take their toll on a couple of players right now and they at right back is a particular one who looks as though we should be coming back in at the weekend. Whereas had had the international break not been and this game had been played last week, I think he possibly wouldn't have made that. And given we saw Hayden Cart pick up a red card at Middlesbrough in the last game before the international break when he'd been playing at right back, that could have caused a few problems for Rovers going into this game. So I think in that sense, the extra week they've had to prepare for this game has probably been quite useful for Tony Mowbray's side. And who do Luton need to be wary of on Saturday? What players have started the season well? Because for me, Blackburn have always had some very good attacking options since we've become a championship club. Sort of going forward in terms of the midfield as well, with likes of Rothwell and Travis going into their sort of more attacking positions. Now you've got Perveda. You've also got Tyrese Dolan as well, who every time I've seen him has looked a, a real bit of quality. So who do you see causing Luton those sort of those sorts of problems come Saturday? Yeah, I, I think usually, and this, this is an interesting one for this fixture in particular, uh, you would have probably looked at Ben Brereton um, in terms of obviously, I think everyone's sort of heard about his Copper America exploits for Chile over the summer, but that's now looks as though it could create a bit of a problem for Rovers going into this game because he'd started the season brilliantly. He was top scorer of three goals in the five games in the league before the international break. But with obviously all the uh, club versus country rather that has emerged over the uh, quarantine that Brereton 
he's one of the players who would, would have had to have gone through that when he came back. The fact that Rovers have blocked it now means it looks as though these FIFA sanctions that are set to come in for certain clubs mean that it, he could miss that game. So that that's a big miss. That could, though, bring Tyree Stolen back into the side. As you mentioned, he's a, he's a very tricky uh, tricky player for defenders in terms of the pace and the uh, skills that he's got. And I think he, he did start the season. He dropped out in the last couple of games to allow the likes of Pervada to come in. But I believe that Dolan got, got goal in a behind closed doors friendly during the week. So he, he's possibly staking a stake to claim to uh, come in for Burton Diaz. And the other man I would look out for is uh, Sam Gallagher. Now, it's been a bit of a slow start, well, slow couple of years, really, for Gallagher since he returned to Rovers in uh, 2019. But with Armstrong moving on and Rovers not actually bringing in a centre-forward to replace him during the summer, it looks as though Gallagher is now going to get a chance to play more centrally this season. And he, he, he's, he too, has started the, uh, the campaign really well. There's been some impressive performances. He's got a couple of goals, uh, including an absolute screamer last time out against Middlesbrough. And obviously, Luton know him well. I think he's scored, scored twice against them quite recently. Once last season, once the season before. So definitely think he'll be one to keep an eye on for Luton on Saturday. Yeah, as you say there, we, we do know him quite well after a couple of goals against us in recent years. And I think after both goals, Nathan Jones was furious in the manner that they've scored. So hopefully, in Luton's perspective, that those sort of goals that he scored in the last couple of years can be avoided on Saturday. But coming on to how Blackburn beat Luton on Saturday, Luton have conceded lots already from crosses and set pieces have been a particular issue. Is that the kind of way you see Blackburn beating Luton or is there another sort of element to the game plan that you can see? Um, I, I do think um, definitely that, that, that down, down the wings um, will be one that Rovers will look to exploit. Obviously, they've got, they've got a lot of pace there if, if they do look to go with, with Dolan out wide and then obviously Pervader is another one. That My, my guess would be that, that if... If Brereton is absent on Saturday, it will be Dolan and Pervader from, from the wings with Gallagher through the middle. And obviously Gallagher, he, he is a big presence in terms of his height. So that, that could definitely be an area to exploit with the balls coming in from those two players out wide. But I think also um, there, is a, there is a threat from midfield, I think Rovers will look, look to use. Um, Joe Ruffwell. As we've seen, when, when he's on his day and he can carry the ball, he, he can be a, a massive threat in terms of his runs from deep. And also, one, one other to keep an eye on is possibly Leighton Clarkson, who's coming on loan from Liverpool. So he, he's still sort of adapting, but I watched him uh, recently against West Brom and some of the passes he was producing, the through balls from, from deep for the likes of a Brereton or a Gallagher to, to run onto a big threat. So I think there are openings there for Blackburn to exploit, but obviously... Luton will be looking to stop them. And I think Amari Bell will be one for Rovers to keep an eye on him in particular there in terms of getting the better with him, obviously, with his past connections to the club. Yeah, very timely you mention Amari Bell there because, of course, he's made the move over from Ewood Park to Kenilworth Road this summer. Started this season relatively well. He's got a goal to his name already. Looks like an attacking threat. Defensively, there's been a couple of questions, but overall, it's been a good start for him. And another left-back that's been perhaps involved with both clubs is Blackburn's latest sign-in, Teo Eden. 
because it was reported that Luton were after him as well with his versatility appearing that a, a signing that Jones was after. So what do you expect from Eden and can he go on and make that left back position his own? Um, I'm, it, it is a signing that excites me, Eden. I think for the uh, for the price that Rovers seem to have gotten for it and at the age he is, he's one who could be a, a really useful player for them for quite some time to come. And as well, you mentioned his versatility. That could be really useful for Rovers, obviously, with maybe the lack of depth they have in certain positions. Having one player to fit in to more than one position could certainly help them. And Eden obviously fits that well. And I do think that that could potentially be important for him in terms of his opportunities at Blackburn as well, because he, he he's not the only um, left back to come into the club this summer. Obviously, the deal was actually done in the January transfer window for Harry Pickering, um, but then he of course got loaned back to uh, Crew, who they signed him from for the second half of last season. So obviously he's so, he started the season strongly. So. Uh, to begin with, it, there could be a bit of a challenge for Eden to sort of force his way into that particular spot. But definitely with the um, with the versatility he has and the um, opportunities that should be because of that and the injuries that might come into play for Rovers, I do think that he's one we'll see quite a bit of over the next couple of seasons. And looking at the Hatters for one second, what kind of problems do you see Luton causing Blackburn on Saturday? Well, I think... I I think, I mean, look, looking at Rose's results so far, they have they've conceded in, in every game. So I, I would expect there to be opportunities definitely for Luton. Um, and I mean, I think it goes a little bit back to what I was just saying there about the left-back role, Harry Pickering, who's coming, if, if it is into play, and it perhaps wouldn't surprise me, given Eden's only just come in and he might still need a bit of time to adapt to his surroundings, then that could be an area to exploit. Pickering is perhaps more of an attacking left back you might say so there may be areas in behind him where Luton can get get down that sort of side and and exploit um I think sort of the, the likes of Harry Cornick I'm a big fan of his uh, I, I, I like him as a player he's started the season reasonably well for Luton too so I think there, there's obviously threats there and the other thing that um Luton could look to exploit is set pieces Rovers perhaps aren't the most physical of sides in terms of height defensively. So if they can sort of get the right deliveries into the box, then there is a prospect of uh, openings there for the Hatters to take advantage of. And one signing that has come in as well is Jean-Paul Van Heck and bringing in a, an additional centre-back. Is there any scope that Rovers could operate with a back five or is that something that you can't see Mowbray delving into? I, I do think that is a, a possibility. I, I mean, throughout last season, Mowbray was largely very rigid with the um, the back four that he used in a 4-3-3. But I think we've already seen this season that he, ha he has sort of become a bit more flexible. We've seen, maybe, we have seen, as you say, sort of a back three with the wing backs sort of used at times or maybe a 4-2-3-1. So obviously that, that might not lend itself to the back, back three as such with Van Heck alongside Ayala and Lennyham. But what it does show is that he will switch things about. So... I, I do think that is definitely a possibility. And obviously, the thing with Van Heck as well, he's given his only coming on loan. There may well be an expectation on Rovers to use him at, at some point, given the reputation they've built for being a useful club for Premier League at 
sides to send their young players out on loan to, and they're going to want to maintain that. So it wouldn't surprise me if Mowbray at some point, either this weekend or further down the line, is looking to fit Van Heck in there. And it was reported on Sunday that Mowbray is on borrowed time at Rovers for not bringing in a striker. And is this something that you agree with? Do you share that opinion or is it a little bit out of context at the moment? I, I think more than anything, the, t- the timing of it's a strange one. I think um, you look, look back over um, sort of the past couple of seasons, there have been sort of runs where even even Mowbray himself has probably admitted he may have been somewhat lucky to keep his job. There was I think, one winning 11 back in 2019 and then earlier this season towards the uh, the back end, back end of last campaign even, there was a run of one winning 15 where you possibly think that had games not been being played behind closed doors and the, uh, the sort of noise that would have been coming from the stands at that point would have really put the pressure on him. So at them times, um, sort of a change in managing might have made a bit more sense. But now after that sort of, this sort of start to the season, you, you would certainly get a few who might say it, it's harsh timing. And I think, I think the other thing is in terms of the failure to bring in a striker, um, it, it's a strange one in terms of even, even if Mowbray does leave, this whoever might come in, they're still going to need those sort, sorts of players. So I think to, to not get that, that signing over the line, regardless of if it was for Mowbray or another manager, was was definitely a sort of an opportunity missed given the funds they had available from the uh, from the Armstrong sale. And we'll end today with going for a score prediction for Saturday, Toby. Oh right. <laughs> well, I think um, as I say, Rovers do concede, and looking back at, over their results already this season, they've been very tight. It's either been draws or one goal wins or defeats either way um, and obviously again historically the games with Luton in the past couple of seasons have been tight drills or one goal wins either way so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of stick with that theme but I've, I've just got a feeling that with the momentum Rovers um, sort of hat was starting to pick up before the international break I feel like I've got to go with my side so I'll, I'll go for a 2-1 home win. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a one all. I think, as you say, there will be goals. But I think to say that we'll come to Ewood Park and win is, yeah, it's a, it's a tough ask. And although that happened the last time we came to Ewood Park in a September, I don't think that we've got, <laughs> we've got it in us this time to, to um, take away all three points. But that's all we have time for today. A big thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech for today's podcast music. Make sure to check out our website, which is www.oakroadhatter.com, our Instagram, which is oakroadhatterpod, and our Twitter, which is at oakroadhatter. Thank you to Dylan, Jamie and Stephen for joining me earlier, and also a big thank you to Toby. And whilst I want to be gracious and wish you good luck for the rest of the season, I'm going to hold on that just right now. Back next week as midweek fixtures return, we are on our travels once again as we head to Bristol City, whose travels at Ashton Gate continue. Goodbye for now.
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.